Welcome to Drawing the Line on this week's episode, or on today's episode. An update on last week's shooting. Trump hosts the Air Force and the media goes nuts. And hitting the jewel, death does not make you cool. It makes you dead. <laughs> All that and more on today's episode yeah, of Drawing the Line. Hold up in suspense. What? What, what did he say about my jewel? So, an update on the recent shootings in Odessa, Texas. We covered this in our last couple of podcasts. Uh, probably our most our most lively little debates were debating this kind of stuff. So, let's, let's keep it rolling. So, some more information has actually gotten out about the shooter and his past his past interactions especially with law enforcement in the state we're still not entirely sure where he got the gun seeing as he probably got it from just a personal gift or trade-off and that doesn't require background checks if you're just getting it from your friend or a vendor you don't you don't need to do that so according to the wall street journal the shooter last saturday actually called 911 and called the FBI line a hotline hours before sh- sh- basically shooting up, killing seven people. Oh, my God. And he called well, He called complaining about his employers. He had recently gotten fired from his job. So it's safe to say this man was probably having a bit of a midlife crisis, if that's how we can he co- Wait, you, you said he called the FBI. He did. He called the FBI. Okay. He called about the FBI. About his employees or employers, um, sure. And I believe the FBI wasn't able to to clearly distinguish who this was okay or didn't have enough time maybe they could have used the caller id i don't know what the fbi does these days i don't know what kind of technology they have you you probably know more about that than i do i don't know i don't know chances are well i mean i guess it depends on their call tracking abilities right right? so that being said along with a another development texas governor greg abbott said in a tweet monday that he has that he the shooter had filed for a firearm through a background check and actually gotten denied. Oh. Which cuts very contrary to a lot of the media and presidential candidates calling for stricter background checks. This would not have stopped it. Unless you Wait, so ju- just to just to clarify. So he applied for this firearm. Right. Failed the background check. Right. And he just, did not. He, so he did not apply. Is it, for this did he get a different firearm? Yes. So okay, he got okay. a firearm through a. Well, we're not actually entirely sure. You're not. We're not sure where he got it, but yeah. he got it, like by. Okay, so I failed the background check. Let me try to find another way to get one. Right? Exactly. Okay. So this really does cut against a lot of what Democrats have been saying that we need stricter, background checks. Like this would probably not have stopped it. If anything, this seems to be a failure, of our current law enforcement i mean it's good they probably failed the background check i'd have to it'd be interesting to see why he failed the actual exactly check. yeah like if if the means of him failing the background check led to suspicion of like okay we should actually look into this guy right but, but also be, at the same time yeah is law enforcement allowed to investigate people that fail background right checks? that shouldn't be that should definitely not be a norm we should not you should not just fail a background check and the fbi comes probing like that should not be a norm yeah right so if you fail the background check you can't buy a firearm like that's that's about it right there isn't really much much else but that's the thing that nobody say. but that's at the same time if nobody investigates especially if it's really concerning that you failed this background check and nobody investigates they just leave it alone yeah. chances are you'll find a way to get a gun exactly exactly so this really and that's cuts what against, happened here right so this really cuts against the fact that we need stricter background checks or universal background checks you would have gotten it anyway 
So well, I think that's the thing is like if if we really want background checks to be as effective as people want them to be, to be you need blanket. to have investigative force behind it, right? So if you fail a background check, like people start doing some digging on you, right? Or right. you get or you get placed on a watch or some I don't know, like. But that sounds. I mean, that doesn't that sound like a little bit of government overreach to you? Yes. Yeah. So there's a point where it does infringe right. on you know your personal freedoms. Yeah. Um, and like that's the thing is like. If this was in place, people would not be very happy about it. Um, but that, that's the problem is, like, if you really want to have – it's the balance of law enforcement because law enforcement wants to take preventative measures, but they really can't. Like, right, you can't arrest you somebody rights. until the crime's committed. Yeah, because you have rights. Yeah. So that's – at the end of the day, that's the problem with this whole concept. Right, because if you're – let's say you're a felon and you apply for a firearm and you'll, you'll obviously get denied because of background checks. So like, yeah, you're a felon. And they'd be like, oh, well, you know, you wanted a gun. That means you probably were going to commit a crime, so arrested. No, like, you, you can't do that. Well, no, of course you can't yeah. do that. Yeah. What you this have to do is, like, place them on a watch. But, of course, logistics, like, resources, I don't think the government has the ability to do that. Oh, they have it, but I don't want to spend the money doing it. But that's the thing. Right? is like they – like, that's a lot more manpower. That's a lot more oh, money yeah. that would have to go into, like, watching people that fail background checks and making sure they don't commit crimes. And I also don't want to be in a society that does that, to be perfectly honest with you. That you fail – you fail one thing and suddenly you're placed on a watch and now Big Brother's watching. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds it's, like – It's dangerous, yeah. Have you seen – I think it's Minority Report with Tom Cruise where it's that basic concept that there's these – there's these people that can see little snippets of the future, and there's a police force tasked with preventing oh, crime. Oh, preventing crime. Yep, yep. Yeah, I th- that's an interesting. It's an interesting little sci-fi thought experiment. Yeah, whether, for sure. Whether or not you should actually be preventing crimes. Well, you should be preventing crimes, but can if you, you knew. Like, that's yeah. the thing. If you knew this person was about to commit this crime, could you do anything? Right. So, I mean, there's two people walking down the street. You know one's going to shoot the other. So you shoot the guy before he pulls it, pulls out his gun. Is that – Was that the right thing to do? Is that the right thing to do? Yeah, right? I mean, that's – I think it's I think it's an interesting little thought experiment. Oh, for sure. So, of course, where the media has actually eased off of talking about the past shooter, mainly because I think it hasn't really fit their narrative, there is no evidence that he had any motive. It seems to be he just had a little bit of a psychological break, got fired from work. The cops pulled him over for a traffic violation, essentially, and he just started shooting. But that's that's what I think is crazy, though. Right? It's like, I, like, okay, you got – I mean, of course, you can't put yourself in his shoes. Right. But just the concept of, you know, you're, you're going through some tough times, but don't shoot at the cops. Crazy. Like, the second you do that, you know you're either dead or you're going to jail. Well, he knew what – I mean, I think he 100% knew what he was doing. I mean, he – made a decision that he was going to go out in the blaze of glory because i mean yeah. he not only shot the cops Pretty but he up. went around and just shot everybody else i know so yeah it's messed up man it is it is so of course there's been there's been more calls for gun control i would say this shooting is going to fade here in a little bit because it doesn't fit the main narrative of he's a white supremacist or he can be linked with any sort of republican ideology so the only the only thing that really cuts against it is he has a gun yeah uh, a, a long barrel i mean long barrel gun if you got a gun there's a reason to believe you're probably a republican oh yes that's a good that's a good point as you know all all good republicans <laughs> have guns <laughs> i i myself have an entire locker dude so many guns i have so many i have an rpg you'd be surprised <laughs> yes as, so, all, as all good republicans but this, should. this hasn't stopped 
other gun activists such as David Hogg. And if you don't know who David Hogg is, he is an American gun control activist, and he was a student at the Stone Mason Douglas High School on the shooting on February 14th, 2008. Okay. So – after these, a lot of these shootings, there have actually been some prominent teenagers, some on the side of the pro pro gun lobby and anti gun lobby. So okay. there's there's been there's been split on on both sides. And David Hogg goes on MSNBC, which is hosted by Chris Hayes, and Chris Hayes asks Hogg what he thought about the very violent culture in America. Let's I I complete I agree there is a violent culture in America. America's if you look at it, so even statistically, America is much more violent than the rest of the world. I can't, I can't think of the certain the certain amount. I think it, it's almost like seventy. It might be more like seventy percent. I'm trying to remember. Don't quote me. We are much more violent as a society. I believe it. Yeah. Than the rest of the world is. Mainly, yep. I attribute that. I attribute that to the rest of the world is much more homogeneous than we are. Especially if we're looking at Europe, Asia. They're very much more homogeneous than than we are. We have a lot of people trying to interact and. Make a war for themselves. Maybe, but I mean, regard, I regardless of the reason, it's it's oh, we have a very violent we culture. Do. I do we agree do. with that, yeah. So Hogg responds, I think it comes down to reckoning with our history and our history of white supremacy in the United States. The fact that we live in a post-genocidal society, so post-genocidal. Post-genocidal society. Post-genocidal. So, yeah, okay. definitely don't agree with that. You're going to need to cite your sources on that one. I'm sure, I'm sure I know exactly what he's talking about. He's probably talking about Native Americans. Oh. I'm sure that's 100% well, what he's talking uh, about. I wouldn't call that genocide. I it, Ethnic cleansing. I go with ethnic et, cleansing. I would say ethnic cleansing. I go. With, yeah. I would definitely call the Trail of Tears ethnic cleansing. Sure. Um, I would not call it genocide. Yeah. Still messed up, though. Still messed up. Very messed up. Andrew Jackson remains one of my least favorite presidents. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's an ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes – yeah, side note. Quick side note. Oftentimes that was orchestrated by the United States government and that if we want to talk about mass shootings, so apparently we see where this is going, we have to recognize the massive number of indigenous mass shootings that were committed by the United States government. So let's be clear on a couple things. Indigenous indigenous mass shootings. So he actually clarifies this. I'm actually I'm not gonna I'm gonna hold off on my opinion here for a minute. And he clarifies what he means by indigenous mass shootings okay i think back to the battle of wounded knee and several hundred native americans predominantly men women and children that were slaughtered by the united states government back in the 19th century and how that's never discussed as a mass shooting and that's wrong because those people were not armed and we were not stealing their land so or we, we were stealing their land oh well, yeah we were stealing it oh it said we and those people were and we were stealing their land. Did I say not stealing their yeah. land? Oh, yeah, we were stealing their land. Sorry, I got the, I got the quote a little bit wrong. There. It just slipped up. It's all right. So let's be specific because if that's the general rule, whenever a military attacks, a, I guess, a civilian another pop- Another population. Another population, then that's a mass shooting. And I, I guess that's well, what we're I going mean, off of. And I mean, he's, somehow, he's, he's just connecting the two And that's that white point. supremacy? Well – I guess okay. Right. So if you if you technically consider Native Americans to be American citizens, or like you know part of America, and then the American government kills them, I guess you could count that as a mass shooting. Well, let's let's be clear that when we went into when the government activated troops into the West to attack Native Americans, it wasn't because the government said, "Oh, these are ethnically inferior people." 
and we as white men must destroy them. That's not what the government was saying. There have been – and I going – taking their land was a big part of this, all right? Let's not pretend that the yeah. Native Americans took it sitting down. They didn't take it sitting down. They fought hard. So let's not pretend that we just went in there and we're like, all right, we're just going to kill them all. No, we actually went in there ready to do combat, and we did do combat. Sherman and all his troops lost their lives. So we – we we did combat with the Native Americans. It was not. It was a war situation. It wasn't a mass shooting. Usually, as we take mass shootings, are kind of like lone individuals, or maybe multiple individuals just attacking an unsuspected or like population. Un- unarmed people, unprepared right. people. When there's right? no there's no war, real conflict going on. I mean, they also did kill women and children, though. And you you can pretty much assume that they were unarmed. Yeah, and, and should not have been slaughtered. Yeah, an, right? an, an, an unfortunate consequence of. Of doing war, the Native Americans did the same thing to us. So there's there's great even going back to if you want to start talking about the history, let's go back to the even super early colonial era where Native Americans basically they infiltrated. A, it wasn't Jamestown, was it on the Ro- the later Roanoke settlement? I'll have to get my facts straight on that. I should I should have looked that up. Um, they infiltrated the later Roanoke settlement. I think it was a Roanoke settlement, a, 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 a settlement, claiming to be friendly essentially, and so they just walked wandered around town. And about at the same time, they all went around slaughtering people, and they killed. I think it was something like 80, 80 percent of the colony. That's crazy. So let's not pretend that this conflict we may have started it. Don't get me wrong, but let's not pretend this conflict wasn't wasn't war to begin with yeah so um, I, yeah bloody on both sides and taking it to white supremacy yeah that's a bit of a stretch but i yeah i don't think you can connect it to white supremacy i, I do agree with your point there um where you know saying like we did start it we did you know technically invade their land we took land from them but i don't think it was on the grounds of we're white and superior right i agree I agree. I, I would go with ethnic cleansing, but I don't think Jackson was like, "Where I'm white, therefore you're inferior." It was much more like, "I we want this. Don't, spot, I want this right? land, and all these Native Americans seem to be causing me some trouble, and they're on this land, and I want them gone." Yeah. It it was never about. I think I I don't think I'm no Jackson expert, but I don't think that he had any like more racial bias. Sure. Against Native Americans specifically. Yeah. So I, I, I this is an, it's, it's a, a, it's a long stretch. It's a long stretch. And it turned, I'll have to, I'll have to start following David Hogg and seeing what other opinion, wonderful, colorful yeah. opinions well, I mean, about. I mean, it's, t- uh, it's like, yeah, with this guy, David Hogg. I mean, it's, it's tough because you could also, you know, it, his whole thing is like he's connecting the fact that we live in like a violent society to, White supremacy. I well, guess. white supremacy, but but also us killing Native Americans to take their land. But then, don't forget about the bloody history of the entire world. So you could make the claim that like we have a violent society because of the Crusades. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you could take it all the way back, right? Like how far you can back just, could you, you can go? keep going back, yeah, right? How, how far back? Because if if Cain we were Abel. founded on a, so if this is true, if this is all true, what do you think is all true? And America and all these mass shootings are happening because of this violent history. I'd ask two questions. Why now? 
why are they happening now? It's true. Because they weren't happening. They could have been happening for right? centuries. They weren't happening like 30, 40 years ago. So let's be honest there. And two, why is it that major crimes and crime in general has been declining over the decades in the United States? So those are the two questions I'd ask him. Because if, if what he's saying is true, it should just be forever increase, increasing, right? Yeah, or it should have been constant from yeah, day one. exactly. Right? And that's just not true. That's not true at all. That's a good point. So moving on from that, Trump is in hot water again because it's a day that ends in Y. That's right. And I woke up this morning, so Trump's in the news. <laughs> of course. It's, it's pretty It's pretty consistent. But good. Thank God. Thank God I wake up in the morning. That's, that's, I do enjoy being alive. <laughs> so according to CNN, the crew of the U.S. Air Force C-17 stayed at President Donald Trump's golf resort in Turnberry, Scotland, during a mock refueling stop en route to Kuwait. The Air Force acknowledged again, or a march, not mock, again raising ethical questions about the government use of president private entities. Oh, no. So so they're saying that the president is, so the president, like, opening up his, like, whatever, like, I guess resort, right? right. Um opening it up to the military is a bad thing yes okay yeah that was my that was my expression exactly i was like oh no like uh how how could he they, that's, they that's, so, that's so mean of him our our american they stayed at the super eight <laughs> should have stayed in the best western <laughs> if anything they should have stayed in the best western so i just think this is this is ridiculous yeah so why are making, why do why are people making a big deal out because of this? they're making the claim that this has been happening for a long time. Therefore, we've been spending millions of dollars of taxpayer money on funding the president and his enterprises. Um, yeah. I, I, that's the I, I claim. Find that, I mean, I, I, I that's don't know. The I find that, that doesn't seem making. to make sense. Like, it, it's, it's Trump opening up his home to the Air Force, right? Which is a private business, which is – it's still – like, I'm not saying that when you become president, you're no longer allowed to have any businesses. Like, period. That's not – That's come on. not how we do it. That's yeah. not how we do this. You are allowed to have – like, we used to give – America provides a stipend, a very, very nice stipend in the tune of about $400,000, which Trump actually donated all of that. Mm-hmm. So that's good to know. But I'm not saying that if you own a business and then you become president, you somehow have to distance yourself from the business entirely. And imagine if this was Obama. Like, if Obama, imagine if Obama owned a hotel – and he allows some service members to stay at it. I'm sure it would be, oh, wow, Obama so patriotic, so loving of our troops. <laughs> yeah, let lets what our a, troops stay. What a great guy. Well, my question is, is like, did Trump offer them a discount, you know? So in a statement by one of the generals over at – over in there, according to Air Force Brigadier General Ed Thomas, so he explains this, the Air Force is defending itself. It, he, he says, as our air crews serve on these international airlift missions, they follow strict guidelines on contracting for hotel accommodations and expenditure of taxpayer dollars. In this case, they made reservations to the defense travel system and used the closest available and least expensive accommodation to the airfield within the crew's allowable hotel rates. These were all still reviewing the trip. We're all still reviewing the trip records and have found nothing that falls outside the guidelines associated with selecting sleepover airports on travel routes and hotel accommodations for cruise rest. So they went through all the proper guidelines, looked through all the hotels in the region that were close proximity to the airbase. They can't go 
to the other side of Scotland. Yeah. And then say, oh, well, we need you guys deployed. And like, oh, well, we'll be there in an hour. No, that's that's not what it's <laughs> not what they that's not what our military does. So they looked everywhere, adhered to the same strict guidelines as everyone does, and they wound up at a Trump hotel. And apparently, this is some great evil. Yes. 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 I mean, that's they're following the rules, but they're also associating themselves with Trump. Oh, that's so that is the if evil you associate right there. yourself with Trump. Uh oh. Uh oh. Yeah, you're in wrong. trouble. The military is bad. Slap yeah. on the wrist. God forbid that these men who've been who are going to be fighting for our freedom and keeping us safe need a nice bed to sleep in. Yeah. I'm not not with my taxpayer dollars. <laughs> they can sleep on the floor. I'm totally fine with providing universal health care and. Open borders at the tune of like sixty percent. Let's be like Denmark. Sixty percent of our taxes go to, sixty percent of our income goes to taxes. But if I have to spend a penny, that these air force the military, men yeah. have to sleep in a Trump hotel. No sir, no sir. Yeah, no. I I don't mind giving up a little little of my tax money to make sure that our our pilots up there get a nice nice place to hang out. And I'm totally down if it's well. I don't want to give up taxpayer money if the if it's like to excess yes so if fleet week comes by and all the like ships dock in new york basically for one giant pr campaign and all the navy guys like let's go stay in the omni or the ritz carlton no all right you're not you got a ship go over there so ship. (laughs) it's the same thing with any like forts or air bases like stay on your fort or air bases that has the accommodation i don't want to spend money on you sleeping in a really nice hotel i just don't all right but if you're on an air mission and it doesn't supply that kind of sleeping arrangements and you look at all the available options and proximity to your base and you find that a Trump hotel is the best one, go there. Sounds good. I don't see the problem with this. Yeah. I really, I think this is just blown I mean, out of proportion. Yeah, as long as they have guidelines in place and they're following them and they're trying to stay as on budget as possible, that's, yeah. that's what you're supposed to do. And just because it was a Trump hotel, then, it, then it's a problem. It means it's bad. It's bad. Trump, orange man, bad. Orange man. Orange man, gross. <laughs> orange man, gross and bad. We know like orange guy. <laughs> All right, what do you got for us today, man? Um, so, so, so moving more into pop culture, um, we're just going to take a take a little bit of a redirection. So this has been in the news a little bit. Last week, Google had to pay an $170 million fine to the Federal Trade Commission for collecting data and showing targeted ads to kids under the age of 13. So... That's interesting. Yes. So the whole thing behind that is everybody should know that YouTube, Google, like that whole setup with advertising and marketing. Basically, when you go onto a website, Google will track, oh, what do you Google search? Oh, what do you look at? What shopping things are you looking into? And then when you're on YouTube, Google will use that information about you to show you ads that are specific to you. Right. A great example. And this has been a huge thing for a lot of North Carolina people. I know that for a fact, just talking to people is about every YouTube video you watch for the past month has been some sort of Dan Bishop or Dan McCready commercial. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's basically YouTube is like, okay, so this person is a voting age and they live in this state and they're about to have this big election. And so you know, Dan McCready, Dan Bishop, the people behind them are going to say, YouTube, send ads to these people. And they're going to pay so, YouTube to do it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So YouTube sends the ads to the right people so they get paid the most amount of money. And that also goes for the people, the content creators on YouTube that, like, the ads are playing over their videos. Is they make, like, advertising money if the correct ads are shown to the correct people. So that's YouTube's and Google's whole 
you know, mark basically a rundown of their whole marketing scheme. And the problem is, is they were doing the exact same thing for kids under the age of 13, which according to the FTC is a no, no, because you should not be keeping track of like kids information, their likes, their hobbies, and you should not be directly targeting kids, right? You can't, who are not old enough to consent to that kind of stuff, right? It's the same not concept of like to consent. Uh, there's there's something I forget. There's some sort of regulation yeah. in place, but you, basically you can't create a Facebook until you're 14. I think it's it's along those lines. Right. I, I I remember that. I think it's actually older. I think it's I think it's 16 or 17. But it's it's stuff like that, right? Like they put a hard line on the ability for online websites to have like you know data and tracking information on children. Oh, at least 13. Yeah. Well, I think when we were in high school. It was older than that. I, f- I forget. I think it was. Um, so and of course, people 13. get around this by just faking their birthday. Um, but at the same time, uh, that w- that's like basically what they got in trouble for is they were keeping track of like, you know, an eight-year-old's, you know, favorite toy. And then they were showing him targeted ads when this eight-year-old will watch YouTube videos. Right? So do I have a problem with that, though? Yeah. So th- th- that's, that's a very conceptual question. Do you have a problem with kids who don't know any better? like seeing ads specifically for them, but also Google having information on these children before they even have like any sort of like conscious online interaction. Cause most of these kids just go on YouTube and watch videos for entertainment. That's really hard. And they're being shown ads the whole time. Yeah. It's hard because I want to say YouTube showing eight year olds ads. Like I'm fine with it. It's the same concept as TV. It's the same concept as like Cartoon Network showing toys. Yeah, so I'm fine with that. But you're right. So keeping of that information. Well, that's how they know. Okay, this person came back. Let's show them another ad. Right. I think yeah, because that's true. Because then you could just keep the information, and you can also slowly push agendas on young children. I mean, you can do that to anybody. Right. But especially towards children who one don't have the ability to consent to that sort of thing. Um, and like, you know, don't know any better. Right. I think they don't, yeah, don't know any better. That's inter- That's a really interesting thought experiment. I'm yeah, not entirely so it's sure like, how I feel about that. Yeah. And that, but this is the thing is like federal trade commission put their foot down and said, Hey, this isn't cool. So Google had to pay a, a nice fat $170 million fine, which I'm sure is just um, a little blip in their pocket. 1% of the revenue. 1% of the revenue. <laughs> so <laughs> nothing. Um, but, but I mean, you know, the fine's not a big deal, but the changes that YouTube are making, because of the fine and because of you know them falling attack from the FTC are, is bigger and has bigger implications. So the fine is being followed up with structural changes to the website, including the removal of targeted ads, notifications, and comments on all videos targeted for children. Okay? So, like, you've been on YouTube before. So you see the ads, whatever, ads specifically for you, your location, your age, but also you can opt in to get notifications about your favorite YouTubers, right? So you'll get an email, you get a notification on your phone that says, oh, hey, this YouTuber you follow had just released a new video. Or you know the comment page on just about every YouTube channel yeah. where people can yeah. people can write about you know what they thought about the show. People can say stupid stuff because it's the internet and you can say whatever you want. <laughs> but it also, the huge thing about comment sections, and this has become, at least in my experience with YouTube, this has become a lot bigger recently, uh, is that the people make the people in behind the channels. So the content creators, they will use those comment sections as direct engagement with their audience, right? Right. So they'll actually like and respond to comments that audience members give. So if an audience member is like, you know, that was awesome, like keep doing this, like, you know, next time try to do an episode covering like whatever, um, the person can come back to them, like talk to them, 
you know, have conversations and it's a great way for an audience member to feel like they're a part of it. Right. So YouTube's getting rid of all of this for basically any videos marketed towards children. And the problem with this is without comments and notifications, these YouTube creators that, you know, focus on content related to children are going to struggle to promote their pages and interact with their audience. And essentially this will lead or most likely will lead to less popularity as a whole and less revenue across the entire like youth demographic within just, the YouTube Yeah, community. they'll probably just find somewhere else to get to them. To exactly. Be yeah. And and that's that's essentially what's going to happen. Yeah, so just find somewhere else to get. YouTube has promised and they're going to generate an 100 million dollar fund that's going to help compensate the revenue lost over the next three years for these creators that are going to lose ad revenue. Um, but that's not going to stop all these creators from basically being like, all right, we're not going to make kids stuff anymore. Um, or we'll just find another platform, right? Exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're going to find another way to meet the income that they were meeting before. Yeah. Right. People will adapt. But the, the interesting thing is, is that, you know, if this drop happens and it probably will, there's, they did a study and about 80% of United States parents will let their children, like children under 13, watch YouTube. So that's a lot. That's hundreds of millions of children. It's a lot. And like worldwide, it's even more people. Um, but within the United States, like so many children watch YouTube. And the fact that there's going to be less content specifically for them means that these kids are going to start watching stuff they probably shouldn't or stuff that like, you know, they're not going to be as engaged. Um, another platform could emerge and that's the thing i mean that does leave room for another platform yeah. so we'll see how it all goes but it's interesting to see how you know like the FTC, ftc can step in and it will it'd be really interesting to see like how youtube changes because of it um and yeah you did bring up a good point about you know where do you draw the line with interacting with ah. children online dude we need to make a little jingle whenever we say like drawing the line or <laughs> where do you draw oh, the line? We said drawing the line. Oh my God. We need a jingle. <laughs> but at least, well, what we can be sure of or not even sure of what we'll see in the future is chances are little, little Timmy will have a hard time watching Fortnite videos on YouTube. Now. Ah, damn. So. <laughs> Fortnite's going to lose all of his revenue. <laughs> 13 year old kids. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see how YouTube changes in the future. But it was just a little interesting story that I came up and, it's kind of fun to see how websites react to government intervention and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah, that's true. Yeah, don't even start it on that stuff. <laughs> My old man talk. All right, all right, Nate. What do you got for us? So, I thought I actually saw us on Instagram story from a girl that I once knew. Somebody that I used, used to, to know. know. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I came to. Me. And it's an article over in the New York Times by Emily Badger, and it's about. She follows a Nobel Prize winning economist to Burning Man okay. to go over like the music festival, the, right? the music festival held in the desert to go over like what he what he essentially thinks. So she so she takes um, she she takes with him this this economist who is a, a Nobel. Yeah, as I said earlier, Nobel Prize winning economist to study how basically 70,000 people move in. And then move out in a week. Yeah. It's kind of honestly the whole concept of Burning Man. Like like you said, it's in the middle of the desert. They build like these giant structures of like, you know, tents and stages and sculptures and like all this crazy stuff. And it's within the span of a week. Yeah, it's and crazy. It's, it's impressive how they're able to pull it off, to be honest. Yeah. So before I get – so the economist's name is Paul Romer. 
And so before I get too far into it, it's the article kind of goes through some of the history of Burning Man. Because he, Paul Romer's studying this as kind of like a city urban planning perspective. Sure. Because there's a lot to learn when people decide to make cities. Because that's how some of the most early cities were made. People just kind of shacked up right next to each other, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that created a lot of problems. That created a lot of problems, too. So he takes it as kind of a step of government and, and the free market. So to go into the background about Burning Man. Burning, Burning Man used to be a lot worse. As in, it used to be very anarchist. Sure. It was originally founded kind of under those anarchist principles. People would drive across the desert, as this article says, drive across the desert and shoot guns at stopped cars. And it, wow. that all stopped when one guy was killed in a game of chicken between two cars. Nice. And some of these cars actually ran people over in their tents. That's crazy. So the state government stepped in and started to regulate it. So ever since, there's been a Burning Man kind of organization that's now popped up. And what that organization does, it basically plans everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that's I think that's that's basically a metaphor for like almost just small government capitalism. I mean, that's yeah. really what it is. Yeah. There's a small government that sets like up tiny all the rules. Urban planning, right? Yeah. And so Mr. Romer says it's a metaphor for my sense of economics. I picture an economist showing up at Burning Man and saying, "Oh, look, it's a miracle of the invisible hand. All this stuff happens by self-interest, and it just magically appears." And there's a huge amount of plan that actually is what's required beneath it to make that order emerge. And that's totally correct. And that fits very in line with at least what I believe a government should be. It should be an order which secures contracts, which provides safety, and all the basic necessities for people to create something. And that's essentially what the Burning Man organization does. They provide the structure and the rules somebody creates rules this isn't really anarchist anymore there are rules now okay someone create they create the rules and the requirements and everyone else just kind of takes and runs with it hmm. so they set up they set up kind of the road and grid system which i'm not that that's a different argument about whether or not we should be government planning roads and stuff i think that's a i think that's an it's an interesting argument um it's one that i'm not going to get into into too much but the article then says, at this point, the economist said, the economists and the burners kept converging. Freedom requires some structure and constraints, but it was becoming clear that this was more to do with the structure and constraints of Burning Man than Mr. Romer had imagined. And that he learned that even inched further towards urban planners. So that's kind of his focus he focuses on, kind of governmental city economics, okay. essentially. And that that falls in line with with what with what I'm saying. That's really interesting too because even after 1966, the founders of Burning Man actually put a fence around the city. And that's another thing a government's useful for to provide barriers. Wow. Right. Wow, nice Yeah, nice placement there. Thank you. Thank you. I don't I feel like I don't have to go far into that one to explain why I said that. But the the fence is basically called the trash fence, and it essentially it essentially provides a boundary, which basically says, "Hey, one, let's not get trash beyond here, and two, please don't wander off because you're in a desert. Yeah. So if you wander off at night, 
we're not finding you till the morning. That's true. Lord, so, Lord knows how many how many drugs are used in that place. No, oh, oh my God, that was funny because you, you know people like try like try to get past the fence and they're like, no, <laughs> you're then, you're gonna get lost. <laughs> yeah, don't 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 leave. Once you're in, stay in. Don't leave Burning Man. You're in the middle of you're in the middle of the desert, which is funny because a lot of people are like, oh, the utopia, Burning Man. No, it's it's not really. I don't. It's not a utopia that I want to live in. I agree. Of it's a little, a little too extreme. Sex, drugs, and EDM. Not even rock and roll. EDM. It's not even rock and roll. That's sad. <laughs> it's not even sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's sex, drugs, and, and bass nectar. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> sounds so appealing. Doesn't it? Doesn't uh, it? It sounds amazing. I can't wait. So the article goes on to say, when people live close to one another rather than close to the land, they hatch plans and trade services. They discuss terrible ideas until eventually arrive at good ones, which I think is absolutely true. It goes on to say, this is more or less what happens at Burning Man too. But other cities have become symbols of greed and consumption, Mr. Rogers says, and that greed is killing our Earth Mother. So there's, nice. a, there's a nice Earth Mother. Earth Mother in a long time. So Mr. Rogers then goes on to say, I think I have some of the same anxieties, but I'm coming to view that it's the market which is the, the danger not the city so this is where i kind of have my diverging i don't i don't agree with that which is basically saying that i think he's what he's basically saying is like capitalism and the free market is the problem in providing all this pollution where i think it's more of a just how human beings interact with each other okay and trying to fix that has led to some pretty terrible consequences uh, uh, communism uh. God, I never. What was that? Wow. That was weird. Did I just say a word in between all those calls? Wasn't tongue or anything. Damn. I'm sorry about that. I hope I hope no one read into that too much. Wow. So if only if we only we had communism, then everything would be great. Or another form. But I think what's very telling, and this is kind of more into my opinion, what's very telling about a capitalist society is it reflects how human beings actually want to interact with each other. But him saying, well, it's it's the it's the market. That's the danger. No. That's what like corrupts everything or whatever. Yeah, that's what corrupts everything. And I don't think that's true at all. Because we've been interacting this way for hundreds and hundreds of years. We've had these negatives. There's pollution. Um, there's uh, violence. I mean, it's just how we react. Yeah. And sometimes curtailing that can even lead to even more negatives. And let's not pretend that Burning Man is some bastion of peace and civility. According to the Reno Gazette, law enforcement noted – a marked increase in sexual assaults in 2014. I believe it. Many of the victims reported blacking out characteristics of date rate drugs. Drugs, According to 2014, an average 12 sexual assault cases are investigated by law enforcement over the course of the event. In 2017, there have been 21 sexual assaults. So That's messed up, man. Not a, not a bastion of, of a utopia, as some would say. But uh, apparently that's that's the capitalism. That's the problem. Well, you could also make the argument that, like, you know, these sexual assault cases is the people within this society. Like, there's bad people within the society that are going to take advantage of it, right? Right. But that's – I think that that's not a consequence of the market. No. Yeah, and if you're, if, you're, if you're trying to – yeah, if you're still trying to, like, assess that, no. I don't think that has anything to do with right. the market. I, I think agree. that has to do with people – being terrible people being dicks to each other seriously yeah i yeah. agree and let's not pretend that burning man isn't like bad for the environment i think it was this past year a couple of years ago an entire like plane was left there wow it, it just uh, that, sound, that sounds very burn, that sounds very burning man you fly a plane down there and then you just like destroy it and it just like sits in the desert forever yeah so let's not pretend that it's actually good for the environment despite them 
trying to... Uh, it's also in the middle of the desert. Nobody's going to notice it. Well, what's really interesting is all the dust particles that kick up are actually inc- incredibly bad for your lungs. And really? Been, and well, actually, I believe disease. it. Yeah. Yeah. All the dust particles have uh, like well, don't well, don't people like in it? Well, don't yeah. Well, don't people that go there like don't they like wear masks or like? I think they do now. Yeah, yeah I was I about think to they say do now. So, what what do you got for us today? Oh, talking about particles. Talking about particles and lungs and and health and stuff. Hey, guess what, everybody? Vaping kills. <laughs> it's not cool to jewel. It's not. <laughs> it's not cool to jewel, guys. Um, that's a very, that's a very large blanket statement and it's not, it's not, it's not very accurate. Uh, let me (laughs) clarify. So, uh, there's a lot of health concerns, um, that have been surrounding vaping and the vaping community, um, that have been coming up in the news a lot recently. And this is all because of an unknown illness as they call it. Uh, this is from the wall street journal, an unknown illness that seems to be cropping up around the U S involving vaping. So this illness is essentially a severe lung injury, um, and it's like it cam- comes from multiple causes, but all these causes are linked to vaping, and they have been diagnosed to more than 450 people already. Um, and while like the invest- people doing investigations on it and people diagnosing it are using steroids or um, you know considering discontinued use um, to the people that are suffering from it, and this has improved the condition of some people. There's already been five reported deaths. Damn. Yes. So we saw um, this coming. Let's not let's not pretend that we didn't see this. Well, this I don't think anyone coming. saw it coming. Well, I think it's the thing is like people. The problem is is like it, it all depends on. It, it's all it, it's a drug, right? And like I I like this is kind of like my whole point of bringing this up is like it's just like any other drug where if you purchase it in an unregulated sense there is a huge amount of risk involved in what you're actually consuming. Well, even I would say even going away from like the unregulated, even just putting chemicals in your body, which aren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, mean, that's common the thing. sense like, people, would tell me that people say it's safer than cigarettes and stuff like that. Um, but of course, at the end of the day, we don't really know. It's, pick your poison. It's like soda. It's still a poison, it's right? Like soda and diet soda. Like one's going to destroy your liver and the other's going to, destroy your intestines and bowels so i mean i, <laughs> yeah. I don't know that's a good point that's a good point no I mean, what, what pick your poison and i i remember thinking about this to myself when it first came out i was like give it like seven to ten years and it's gonna something's be found gonna, out to be something's dangerous. gonna crop up yeah right? because that's how long those studies take it takes a while for people to use it. everyone was like oh it's great in the short term but if you use it chronically, yeah, exactly, and I think that's I think that's the thing. So there's still a lot of research going on right now. Right. There's still a lot of investigations. Um, the FDA is like a big leader of it right now, but there's a lot of you know state-based officials. There's a lot of just general researchers out there doing research on vaping and like its health effects, and especially trying to figure out you know like why this like lung illness is showing up, um, and like why these deaths are happening. So. And like while they're basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to find compounds that are causing this to happen. Compounds within the, you know, the vapor, whatever product you're using that are causing this illness that could potentially kill you. Um, that's scary, man. Yeah. This and like there's no and that's the thing. They still haven't they've found a couple of examples. So they're looking at compounds like vitamin E acetate and like certain oils derived from cannabis as causes. And essentially what the investigations are leading to so far is it's building up the fatty tissue within your lungs and like the, I don't know like I'm not a medical person so I don't know that much about it but essentially like building up like just fatty tissue in your lungs 
is a bad thing. Yeah, um, we'll, just, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, and they're just trying to figure out the exact compounds that are doing it. Um, and until they're reaching a conclusion, uh, the FDA and other health authorities are advising people to stop vaping, um, which makes sense because right. like they're just like, we don't know what's causing this, and you might be using something that's causing it. Um, and like, so it's dangerous and they're just trying to say, stay safe. Right. Stay safe kids. Um, don't do crack. Don't do jewels. Exactly. So yes, you should definitely stay away from vaping products. Um, and I'm sure, you know, as these investigations go on, they will find the compound that is causing these, these lung diseases. It could just be a um, mixture of stuff. I mean, it's and just that's the thing it, at the end of the day, it also could be a mixture of stuff. And yeah. the problem is, is like vaping products, they range from nicotine based to marijuana based, um, and they're all, they all use a bunch of different chemicals and a bunch yeah. of different compounds. So it's hard to like pinpoint. And that's why this investigation will take so long. And most of these chemicals taken in just infrequent doses are perfectly fine, to be honest. Yeah. That's why people always get super concerned. Like, oh, well, there's, there's lead or formaldehyde in our water. I'm like, okay, so hold on. Let's look at, let's back up and look at, you have to look at basically LD fifties and say, how much of this does it actually take for you to see an effect? And it turns out that the chemicals found in our water your, your body can take barely take it, anything. Right? But with these jewels, that's what you have to look at. You have to start looking at, well, how much of this does it actually take for your body to be affected and how much are in each little puff that you take? Exactly. And in each little pod, how, how much is there and how many pods are you going through? No, that's true. And that's the so, problem is like a lot of this is not regulated as much as it should be. Like, there's not enough reporting on the chemicals used, the compounds used. We just might not um, even know enough about them. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's like any other drug, too, where especially with – this is especially focused on the marijuana-based vaping products okay. because um, a lot of the – so the, the deaths so far, most of them are from marijuana-based products. Well, that's um, And this is because, you know, especially – I mean, even in regulated states, even in unregulated states, like, there's still an availability of essentially like a black market where you can get cheaper – you know, cheaper pods or whatever you want to call them of like the marijuana, you know, chemical. Um, and essentially it's like any other drug. If you buy it, you know, from somebody you don't trust, you don't know what's in it. And that's what's like, you know, the problem is like, if there's something bad in it and you're putting it into your lungs, you can die. So that's the other danger is like, especially buying it from not a regulated trusted source, um, like any other drug. So the, that's the nice thing about bigger companies so for one thing, like before I go on, um, and everyone that's been sitting here freaking out, luckily for all the frat bros out there, um, Juul, the company itself, has come forward and stated that their products do not contain any of the leading suspects that are currently being that's investigated. Good. So you're, you're probably okay. Maybe. And that's the thing. <laughs> Juul is a huge company, and it has a huge reach without the United States. There's a lot of people that use them, um, and that – means that since they're so big is that they have a huge liability so chances are is that they've you know they're not putting bad chemicals in there they're not well, trying to they're, they're not trying to dr like drop down their prices and save on costs by putting stuff in there that's unsafe well i don't think they're out of the woods yet so well no of course but i mean it, at the end of the day like you said it's it's still pick your poison right yeah, pick your poison and i mean at the end of the day that's that's how it all dumbs down but at the end of the, like would you rather have somebody smoke cigarettes or smoke a jewel well just right? don't do either would well, that would be optimal. Uh, optimal, be optimal, possible, not really possible. Um, <laughs> but yes, but for all for all our our vaping listeners out there, um, just stay with the news. Maybe try to refrain from it a little bit, or at least if you do do it, try to be as safe as you can about it. 
Well, the um, problem is because we just it's, don't it's know. scary. Yeah, yeah we, we, just don't we know still about the effects of these. And that's the thing. And this is the first time that like deaths are coming yeah. up from it. But that does not mean that you know, ten years from now, we're gonna see like long term effects from it. All I'm saying, man, is I saw this coming. I I done seen it. I I told you. I, I told you it was gonna it happen with my own two I eyes. Yeah. So. That's fun. Stop drooling, everybody. Yeah, it's, it's just, bad for you. Be, just don't just put crap in your body. You're that's, not entirely sure what it right. is. Don't drink soda. Do. Don't drink alcohol. Don't smoke. Well, um, you can. Okay, stop. You only can chicken do. and rice. You can do. actually no chicken. Chicken's bad too. <laughs> only <laughs> you can, rice. <laughs> you can do that kind of stuff. Just do it infrequently. Okay, within too moderation. Too much of a good thing is bad. That's right. Only jewel when you're drunk. That's way better than jeweling twenty four seven all, the, all, the, all day every day. <laughs> so all right, so maybe the frat bros are okay. I think the frat bros are okay, <laughs> but I don't think there are many of them that aren't jeweling. I don't. I haven't met a single person that's like, yeah, man. You know what I could really use with this natty light? A fat rip on a jewel. Dude, <laughs> I, okay, you. I don't know, man. I've really? I've seen it out. You've yeah, seen it. Of course. Are you kidding me? You know how many people are like that? I mean, because it's nicotine, right? So you I've just want to buzz off I've of heard it. The smoker one. Oh no, no, no. I mean, that's a common thing too. But there's tons of people out there when they get drunk, they're like, give a jewel, or like people will just start pulling out their jewel every time they get drunk. I just I'm pull out you. my Wii remote. I'm like, yeah, hit this. <laughs> hey, want to play some Wii Sports? You want to pull out my USB flash drive? Yeah. My flash drive pull here. This one. <laughs> Take a fat rip of my <laughs> flash drive. <laughs> my flash drive. So <laughs> moving on from that into our last article of the day. This one comes courtesy of Vox, of course. Uh, yes, uh, the my, best news source. My favorite. My favorite. So, l- love Vox. So, this one is, football is perfectly calibrated to TV. So, what happens now that live TV is fading? So, this would be actually a really interesting article to go over. So, this is by Emily Todd Vanderwerf, with I, I think is an incredible name. I mean, that's, that, that's quite a name right there. <laughs> so, she basically goes in and explains, well, this is actually – the 100th season of the NFL, 99th, 99th year. 100 season. 100 season. That's right. Because it was founded in the 1920s, which is incredible because the NFL has come a long way from when it was first founded, no one watched it, Oh to yeah. now, which it's become almost ubiquitous in American society. That's true. To the point Football where – Football is huge. Yeah, playing, paying players $19, 20000000 dollars a year is – average yeah that's <laughs> like this is to be expected this is to be expected of these athletes which is just insane amount of money an insane amount of money god what i do with a million what i do with a hundred dollars let me tell you <laughs> what wow much, much less give wow. me a hundred dollar contract i'll do dollar? i'll play all the football you want I'll me play to all the football you could ever want out of me <laughs> so <laughs> So the NFL has been wildly successful, and that's mainly because the NFL has also marketed itself as being America's sport, right? It's been patriotic. I mean, all true Americans know that baseball is actually America's pastime. Just saying. Well, okay. But yes, you, I do agree. More people do watch football. Because I think football is, and as this article kind of hints at, football is more violent and it's more action-packed, right? That's true. That's Where a good point. baseball, you kind of have to – then that's one of my issues with watching baseball is I'll fall asleep. I won't fall asleep watching football. Yeah, a lot of people do have trouble watching baseball. It's true. Yeah, because it's just – I mean, it's just slow is all it is. And football is just constant action, essentially sure. almost non-structured action, um, essentially, essentially non-stop. And football has been happy to learn 
basically learned about this as this article says. So Bobo has been happy to learn of this notion that it's basically America's America becoming America's pastime, let's be honest, and probably one of the most watched things in America. And this author says, even as even in the game I watched, the trapping of vague patriotism from support of the troops to a level of hyper-capitalism were everywhere. So two things. I can separate two things from this article. One, I think the beginning is really good because it actually explains why football has been popular. And the fact that it is patriotism because it's football is trying to – the NFL is trying to – hit as many people as it possibly can and it turns out that bringing people together under a common cause like a team is actually incredibly helpful and that most of the nfl's audience actually wants to see pro america stuff which you can see when colin kaepernick started taking a knee espn and the nfl projected that gave it camera time ratings plummeted and now people still take knees but you'll never see it on you TV. You don't see it, right? You won't see it on TV. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it turns out a lot of the a lot of the supporters of the NFL don't want to watch. Are that. very patriotic. They're patriotic. Right? Second thing. Okay, come on, lady. Hypercapitalism. Like what? I, I want to know what I she mean, means by what? hypercapitalism. I am. I want to know what hypercapitalism means. The too. market is so free. It's, it's just extremely it, free. There are so many products to exchange. <laughs> oh, my God. So many things that I want and other people want. It's crazy. It's amazing. God, hyper-capitalism. But, okay, whatever. I don't think it's a technical term. I hope Maybe, it's maybe she term. means that by, like, you know, everything in the NFL is sponsored, right? Like, we it have is. our we have our... We have our first down line projection brought to you by <laughs> <Yeah>. Bud Light. <laughs> That's true. Our first, our first, that was courtesy of that, the Chase Halftime Review. <laughs> Whatever it is. This blade of grass is sponsored by, sponsored by Bank of America. <laughs> and so she goes on to say, it's no coincidence that football's rise can be tracked along CTV's rise. As, just as no coincidence that its mild ratings decline can be tracked alongside TV's decline, which is true. TV is starting to lose. It's it's losing it's losing traction, of course. Social media and computers. Well, just the internet. In general. Yeah, just the internet yeah. in general. But it also strikes me as no coincidence that football reached its dominant heights in the 1980s and 1990s, when a belief in America as a dominant force for good in the life of the world went mostly unquestioned in popular media. So before I read the rest of that, I don't. I think you're reading in. I think she's reading into that a little bit too much. I think it was popular in the 1980s and 90s because we were much more of a uniform society and we all still had values that we could relate to. And one of those values was America. And even though we could have arguments, we still looked at each other as Americans and all Americans like football. So that sounds great. Not this. I don't think it's just, just the belief that America is a dominant force for good. I don't think that's like, ah, yes. America raising millions of people out of poverty. I'm gonna go watch the Browns play. I'm <laughs> I, I'm, con- I'm confused about how that. Ah, we beat we beat the Soviet Union. The Steelers are on tonight, so <laughs> I'll definitely be yeah, there. Yeah, maybe she just worded it a little weird. I don't um, think I don't think she worded it a little weird. <laughs> I'm trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. All right, well I I she appreciates you giving her the benefit of the doubt, but she probably doesn't. America ran faster, hit harder. It was hyper-masculine. Here we go with the hypers. Ready for this? Hyper-competitive, hyper-capitalist, hyper-corporate place. 
It was a world of rich white men. They're, they're, this is why I love Vox. Bring in the white boys. Brand, bring in the white. It's always the white people. It's always about white people. Yeah. But they all like to believe that they had hearts of gold. So, no, I don't think they all believe they had hearts of gold. And come on, lady. I mean, really? Like, yes. We're just going to attribute. As everyone knows, football, all football fans have hearts of gold. So, if you want to watch football, you got to be a you got to be a nice, a beautiful person. Yeah, and it's all white people too. Like ever, obviously. Yes. I only mean, white you, people watch football. Yeah. Have you, gosh, have you seen the people that are playing and the people in the stadium? It's all white people. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> of course hyper. I like that. Hyper masculine, hyper competitive. Well, I would say football is like very masculine. Right. It, it's an extremely masculine it's sport. Violence. That stuff has gone back to the Roman gladiators. Sure. People love to watch that stuff. I know. But so, I mean, she has, yeah. okay. That one point, she has a point about like, like the masculinity of yeah, football. Right. I that. wouldn't call it hyper though. I'd just call it masculine. I don't I don't understand why I have to put hyper behind everything. Hyper competitive. I don't see a problem with that. Let's be competitive. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with being competitive. Hyper capitalist, I have I have no issue with being I'm confused with the whole hyper capitalist. Yeah, I don't thing. get that. Hyper corporate. It's it's a run by a corporation. How is it hyper corporate? Super corporate? I, it's so corporate, man. It's, it's crazy. Just, there's the there's corporate and then there's like there's hyper corporate. Super corporate. <laughs> There's going to your, I guess, your HR because you're on your phone too much to, I guess, the hyper corporate is, what would hyper, what would hyper, what would a hyper, uh, hyper corporate. A hyper corporation. Installing a drone to follow you around. <laughs> Maybe a hyper corporation That's would do that. That's big corporate right there, That's man. big corporate money. Right, big corporate energy right yeah, there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so she goes on to say, but in an era when we know so much about the NFL itself, when we know all the ways that it has bludgeoned so many serious major issues, it's harder to buy the idea that it's a moral force within the world instead of a slightly rowdy, run-down carnival it actually is. All right, I agree with that. I don't understand. Who is – Who's who saying football is a moral force? It's a force. moral force in the world. I, okay, that's hot, hot take. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a pretty, that's I, a pretty I hot watch, take. I watch football to, to be a better person. Yeah, I – Okay, because <laughs> like let's not let's not pretend that a football isn't ridden with like concussion scandals and domestic abuse scandals. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of not so great in uh, football, which is I mean can be said for anyone. That's so, true. So I yeah. mean there's a lot of not so great stuff. Not this. I think that was funny. I'm I want to go watch the Steelers tonight, honey. Oh great. Well I hope you. Be a better person. He's like that's why I'm watching the Steelers to be a better person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm improving myself by watching TV. So I think I'm improving myself by watching TV. So she goes on to say, I'm not saying the NFL should sell itself as a thing that means well, which I don't think it does. It kind of does, actually. I think it – Sell itself as something that means well. I think it I does. Mean, I mean, it's a, it's a sport. It's a corporation. Any corporation wants I mean, to come well, it's across – Well, yeah, it's also a business that wants to market themselves as like, this is cool and cool people watch it and you should watch it too. Yeah, and that's why plenty of corporations have like – volunteer network and sponsor oh, charities exactly like you i mean you can see it on tv and everything like that like they always show like the football players going to like help the city or whatever yeah and they had the play 60 which encouraging oh like, play young 62 kids. yeah so yeah okay so they they do they do try to promote themselves yeah. yes yes and i mean that's not a bad thing no I, I think but i don't think anyone's great. turning on the tv and being like ah yes a moral force for good the in the own, world yeah the cleveland browns <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be 
ripping on the Cleveland Browns as much. It could be I don't have a thing against the Cleveland Browns. It could be anybody. It could be it could be anyone. It could be anyone. But consistent so it says I'm not saying the NFL should sell itself as a thing that means well but consistently fucks up. I know I said the F word. I quoted it. I quoted it so we don't have to put this as dirty as the Xbox content podcast. I qu- I'm quoting. Don't look at me like that. I am quoting. You said a bad word. I'm quoting. <laughs> consistently screws up in big and small ways. But hey, that handful of words describes America pretty well too. Yeah. Maybe selling itself that way away. Uh, here we go. Here's the majority of this argument. Maybe selling itself that way is a patriotism we can all believe in. So here's the notion that I guess this author just wants the NFL to be patriotism for everyone, including Symbol the people, of America. including the people that don't really like America, apparently, or don't like sports, or don't like sports. Too bad. Yeah, I agree. Too you, bad. NFL, you have to cover all the bases. Yeah, you have to cover all the bases now. No more showing the American flag or the American anthem because that could be, that could be problematic. Yeah, it's offensive. That's offensive. It's oppressing. God, God forbid that an American sport. Plays the national anthem before. No, the God game. forbid. God forbid you have to stand. Yeah, that'd I mean, be that'd, that'd be terrible. Show I, respect. To I'm so, yeah, standing is hard. You know, standing is really it's a lot of energy. Though. Yeah, gosh, you can't stand for <laughs> one people. full body weight squat. That's jeez. For some of these, for some of these athletes, I mean, they they need all the energy they get. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, that, that, I mean, that's why they're taking the knee, right? They're just they're they're storing up power for the game. <laughs> they're storing up the ATP. <laughs> storing ATP in there. That's right. In their muscles. So. That, I mean, yeah, NFL is fun. I mean, of course, there's problems around it. Of course, like but, anything. Uh, yeah, and I mean, like you just don't need it. You don't need to take it this far. It, uh, yes, there's patriotism in it, and that's okay. But it also speaks to this whole culture that we're gonna force corporations to be whatever we want them to be. That's very true. To cave that, to that's any what ideology. this is suggesting. It's yeah. like, hey, football, you can't be patriotic. You can't. You have to I'm appeal to everybody. By. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also a problem that corporations actually cave to this stuff. That's true. Like, let's be honest. That's I mean, very true. Gillette. Basically, right? Gillette, its entire market. I don't think they caved. Are you? I, I don't. I don't agree to that. So I think I. I think. Well, I don't know if they caved, but they're a prime example of what, um, like pandering, corporate pandering towards the left looks like and its consequences. So Gillette. Pan- if, yeah. Well. Uh, I guess you could say pandering. Yeah. Yeah. So if but you don't at remember, the same, like yeah, like the the Gillette ads that came the out. Gillette ads. So they're. Profit margin tanked by like three billion dollars. Sure. And they basically walked all that back and are saying they're not going to do it anymore. Not going to do what the ads yeah. about like toxic masculinity yes. and stuff like that. Yes. I actually enjoyed those ads. Like you I really, yeah. I didn't like, like in a very unpopular, like mostly unpopular opinion. I actually thought those ads were kind of cool. Um, and that's the thing though is like it it touches on like different people, right? And it's not going to touch on your main demographic of like you know the stereotypical guy. Um, and I think that's why their business plummeted is because they're trying to appeal to like people that, you know, feel a very certain specific way. Well, most, I think their business plummeted because most guys that buy their product felt like they were under attack. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's true. The reason. I guess, yeah, I guess if you are, cause uh, yeah, especially like the, for example, their toxic masculinity ad, like that was definitely like taking a blow at they're, like they're people consumers. that would let their kids fight each other and like. You know, Which was – I thought that was ridiculous. And like, then there pe- two people, kids, like parents that, like, teach, you know, certain values to kids and everything. I, I really felt like it was an attack on, on men because I did not – and we'll, we'll wrap this up after after this discussion. But I, I did not like that whole, oh, boys will be boys. Yeah, boys will be boys. Let them be boys. All right? I mean – There are certain ways in which guys – 
deal with problems and interact with themselves in the world that is healthy. And boys actually, boys wrestling and actually harassing each other is good. I think now there are points well, okay. in which it can be bad. See, that's what I was going to say. There's that's what obviously I was say. a line, but trying to basically like it, it make was... them girls is unhealthy for boys. Because when we when we want to have a disagreement, especially as young kids, we fight. Like it's what we do. We have a monopoly on violence, and as young kids, we like to play wrestle, and that teaches us where that violence can be used for good and for fun, and where it's gone too far. Yeah, and I think that I, if it was, you, yeah, I think it, it's weird that advertisement like kind of definitely spins it that way. I would say, well, so yeah, the advertisement. I remember like the the thing that stood out to me the most. I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah, but the thing that stood out to me the most is like, yeah, the kids like fighting each other, and then all the all the dads were like, boys will be boys, and then but then there was one dad that like stepped in and like broke it up and like said, hey, just talk about it. And I think I don't because that's weird because. Like you don't have to attack men to sto- to show men that yeah at some point you know it's good to step in and teach kids about talking to each other too yeah I think that's great I th- so, I'm totally fine with that but yeah, there there's limits to it right but yeah. I, I do see your point where I still, I like still, especially as a young child yes. like you need to learn how to solve disagreements right and the best like one of the best ways to learn is to make mistakes so and I think that one of the ways that guys obviously how one of the ways that guys settle agreements in the world is through violence. And it's very different from how girls settle it. Let's be honest. It's very different. That's They're true. two very separate things because guys are have a monopoly on violence. So when the argument can't go any further, there is a resorting to violence. That's the thing that supersedes everything. That's true. And so women deal with that way different, which is awesome because it tends to balance everything out. It's why this whole idea – I don't really like this whole idea of like alpha males and all the beta males. I think that's, I think that's stupid because – I don't think there ever is an alpha male because he may be a bully and harass, but sure. the, they can only go so far, right? Because the rest of the community can get together and destroy that person. That's true. doesn't matter how strong he is. Ten weaklings can kick a strong guy's butt. There's ten of them. There's only one of him. Sure. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. So I do have a problem when we're teaching young boys to not interact with the world as they – in a healthy way. And I think one of the healthy ways that boys interact with the world is through the use of violence and play wrestling. It's never – these kids aren't, like, punching and beating the snot out of each other. Yeah. You should obviously stop that. That's too far. That's true. But if they're just play wrestling – I remember play wrestling as a kid. It, it taught you – for me, it taught me where the boundaries were. It taught me how much violence was acceptable and how much isn't. Yeah, it I mean, also it's taught all, you it's your about own teaching social interaction. It also right? taught you your own limitations. If you're going to go and you're going to fight a kid who's significantly bigger, wrestle a kid who's significantly bigger than you, you're going to get beat. So you need to learn how to pick your battles. I think play wrestling teaches it can, people. Yeah, it can. It can. It's good social education. Teaches, teaches people a lot, and even I mean, you could, doesn't just not just in humans, but almost any predator play wrestles. The kids, the young children, and play like wrestle. animals, right? Lions play wrestle. Tigers play wrestle. They all play wrestle mm-hmm. because they are essentially preparing themselves for combat in the future and strengthening themselves for combat in the future. We're not really like going out and killing things, no. But it's still kind of the same, the same concept, it's the same sort of nature, right? Same sort of nature. So yeah, I I do see what you mean, but I also like the value of showcasing like the merit of you know 
other solutions to problems than violence, right? Right. I think that's why it resonated with me is because I consider myself not really an aggressive person um, for the most part. Um, but just in general, I'm not a very aggressive person, and I do like I I really idolize like people's ability to like solve problems without getting into fights. Right. Right. And so I think when I saw that ad, I think that's what stood out to me. So I think it's how you interpret it. Right. Because some people are going to interpret it as a direct attack to them. Like, oh, I'm offended because they're attacking men and like they're making men look bad. And so I'm not going to buy Gillette anymore. But then to me, it was like, oh, they're just showcasing like, you know, like stepping in and teaching people how to solve problems like like friends and happiness and yeah, that's the. Yeah, I, the, I. I think I just interpreted it a different my way. My biggest everything was on the ad. Everything was pretty much vanilla to me. Like whatever. Um, the the guy stopping the other guy from like I, I guess talking to a girl or catcalling a girl. Like I'm I'm totally like fine with that. But the the young the young boy thing that's what made me the most mad. Sure. That's that, what that's, that's, that's what is, made me feel like they were actually going after, not even traditional masculinity, just masculinity in general and how young boys interact with their world by deeming that to be bad, which I don't okay. think it is. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Uh, everything else in the article, I was uh, the commercial. I was like, eh, whatever. I understand why you're yeah. doing it. I, th- I think it's just how you, how you view it. Right. Yeah, the like I, of like the, I didn't even think of it that way. Yeah. The viewing of the young children, but that's I can definitely see how people worst, pick yeah. it up that way. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what, that's what irked me the most. Sure. Was, was trying to effematize our young children, which I think is a huge problem. In our society, and why we're—it's there's tons of reasons why, but why we're experiencing our generation the highest levels of anxiety and depression and suicide rates since World War Two, mm-hmm. pre-World War Two. So I think that's one of the big reasons because we're teaching young boys not to be masculine and actually deal with, effeminize them essentially, and that's not their character. It turns out that boys and girls are actually different. And you can see that in Nordic countries. If you go to Nord- Nordic countries where this has been the most prevalent, yeah, it's it's not it's not good. Sure. Right? They're, they're, the men have basically been conditioned to be hyper feminists, and their marriage rates are plummeting. The population growth is plummeting. That's There's not good. open harassment. It's it's not good. Yeah, it's they have a their men are becoming very weak. People are complaining. Women are complaining that they can't find any like suitable men. I'm like, well, yeah, because he weakened them all. Yeah, they're not. They're not that's really true. men anymore. No, that's true. Yeah. So I think it's a. I think it's a like big the, problem. The classic. The classic dynamic, like the one that's kept our species alive for this long. Yeah. The of give a man and, the and give a woman. Take, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it goes away if you start conditioning men to act in a different way. Right. Right. So after that, I thought that was a that was interesting. A long, long Mu- much. Much of a segue. Much. Much knowledge dropped. Much knowledge. Nothing. I don't know how we got to the NFL to that, but. It happened. It happened. <laughs> so what do you got? What do you got for sponsors today, big man? Okay, so my sponsor today is Post Malone. Oh God. Um. Okay. Don't don't give me your mic. Oh God. All right. He actually he's a, actually a very talented artist. I will get. Like, I agree. He's talented. He's very talented. He's he talented. is a great pop artist. Like he can make yeah, music that people love, and that's that's good. a talent right there. Yeah. No. He he makes good music. I yeah. agree. I, he I agree he released he a new album. I have not listened to it yet. Um, I haven't got around to listening to it. Uh, I've been busy, but I saw, I like looked at the track list really quickly to see like, you know, if he had any people on it and one of his songs features Ozzy Osbourne. Really? Yes. So we got Ozzy Osbourne on a song and I'm actually really excited to listen to it. I'm probably going to listen to it after what was this. The, what was the, what was the song that you and you and our friend were obsessed with when we went out last week? 
Was it Shot in the Dark? Oh, Shot in the Dark. But oh, that's a great Ozzy Osbourne song. If we you've went, never heard Shot in the Dark, it's one of Ozzy's we best. Went to a, we went to a brewery, and there was a beer called Bot in the that's Dark. That's right. Wooden Robot has yeah. Bot in the Dark. And, and the second me and one of our friends saw it, the entire rest of the night, we were just saying, Shot in the Dark. <laughs> that's all <laughs> like, you said yeah. the entire night. But, but back to Post Malone. So Ozzy Osbourne's featured on one of his tracks, right? And I was like, oh, that's so sick. I love Ozzy Osbourne. And um, I saw a post. That was a bunch of like screenshots of Twitter, like Twitter messages. And there's a lot of people on Twitter that are like, oh man, I love how Post Malone highlights unknown artists. Ozzy Osbourne's going to uh, get so successful from being like what? part, like doing music with Post Malone. And it was a bunch of like things like that where like people don't know who Ozzy Osbourne is and they think like Post Malone, like putting him on the map. That's hilarious. Just a little offended, and I'm just I would like, be a little offended. Please go listen to his albums; like they are so good. Like, Ozzy that's, Osbourne that's bit the quintessential like classic rock. Ozzy, Ozzy Osbourne bit the head off a bat. I mean, he's metal, dude. Oh, like, no, he's that is he's like, he he, he was he metal. was '80s heavy metal. Oh and it was yeah, so good. And he basically he's and these people are disrespecting my man, <laughs> my man Ozzy Osbourne. He's dude, you can tell from just looking at him how many drugs he's done. Dude, he yeah. He doesn't even have a voice anymore. He's. I don't understand how his wife understands him. No idea, but I, uh, he's he's still he's an icon. He is he's an amazing. Icon. He is a guy, and he I is, love him. <laughs> and I'm Osborne offended is. that people don't know who he is. That is crazy. I can't believe Ozzy Osbourne. What a great, what a great, um, what a great guy. This Post is really Malone. a break. This Post is a break Malone for giving Ozzy him a big break. <laughs> giving him a big like break. You people. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne doesn't want to do this because he needs money. No, honestly, maybe for fun. I'm hoping the song is really good. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Because That's... if you put Ozzy on it, oh man, the second I hear his voice, I'm like, oh, oh snap, Christ it's, it's going <laughs> nice. It's the only song I really know. That shot in the dark. Apparently. All right, well, yeah, you definitely need to educate yourself on Ozzy then. So, um, so yeah, what about you? What, uh, what's your sponsor? Just straight up anger. So I go. So Chipotle does this rewards thing, right? Yep. And I finally bank up enough points. To get a free entree. Ooh, congratulations. Yeah, I thought it would be great, too. Uh-oh. It wasn't. Wait, what happened? They only, it's only like an eight, they only pay for $8. Oh, it's like a limit? It's yeah. It's like a dollar limit? What the hell? So it's like most of your entree. I was, I was mad. I was To mad. say the least. I was super mad. I was mad. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just going to say it, Moe's will cover the entire entree. Okay, I'm not going to Moe's, though. I'm never, I'm, I'm not, just you saying. will not find I'm me I'm just saying. You will not I know you Mose. don't like Moe's. No, I, I hate Moe's. But Moe's is awesome. No. No, no. We will no, never no, 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 we will no. never be able to no. compromise on Mose this. Moe's is gross. Yeah, this is never going to be something we're, we're going to ever reach an agreement on. I hate Moe's with a passion. But, well, uh, so I, I get each of my typical Chipotle meals costs like 11 or $12. Yep. Because I get You the, get the full stop, yeah. Oh, I go, I go ham. So it's extra rice, beans, fajita veggies. Double chicken. Ah, uh, yes. That's always good. This is a very um, important audience. Please pay very close attention I'm gonna to tell the you. exact well, order that Nate I has. haven't gotten a different thing at Chipotle for four years. It used to be three. Now it's four years. Wow. I've gotten the same thing. That's amazing. It is amazing. Thank you. Consistency. Yes. <laughs> Consistency. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, then, and then what else? I've started to get Pico de Gallo on it. That's changed, actually. Wow. Revolutionary. Yeah, revo- it's completely opened up my world. Wow, you. tomatoes and onions. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy, right? And then guac cheese, sour cream, lettuce. And if I get to the very end of the line and I check out and I go over to the Tabasco station and there isn't the Chipotle Tabasco, 
I go to the store and buy some, or I throw it out. I wow. won't eat it. I won't eat it without the Chipotle Tabasco. Amazing. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, there is Nate's uh, perfect Ta- Chipotle order. Ta-da. If you ever want to get him Chipotle, now you know. Yeah, it's going to be expensive, though, so get ready. <laughs> it's like $11 or $12 wow. a meal. So. Well, I'm I'm very sorry that you had to pay that, that extra $4 yeah, that Chipotle was, refused to cover. I was not happy with Chipotle. I've spent mm, – I don't want to talk about it. Way too much money. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how much money I spent on Chipotle. <laughs> it was probably all worth it. I yeah, hope. you're right. Yeah, yeah there you probably, go. You're as as right. long as long as all the food was worth it. I go I go at least once. I go at least once a week. Yeah. So I, I do too. I maybe spend probably fifty bucks a month. Nice. Yeah, we get we'll we'll get back to you guys on on the math behind how how the millions of dollars Nate has put into <laughs> <Yeah>. the Chipotle. <laughs> It'll the, be amazing. The Chipotle company. You remember and you, how Nate is somehow keeping them afloat? You remember on those Dare programs uh, and the anti-smoking programs? It'd be like if you buy like four or five packs of cigarette, you can buy a, a nice like I don't know keychain. If you if you take a whole year supply of the average. Um, smoker, you can buy like a nice TV or a car. Yeah. Well, if you take a, if year, you supply, took a year supply of Nate's Chipotle spending, <laughs> you could buy some. Oh nice my stuff. god! <laughs> I mean, let me be honest. You could probably buy a house. Let's yeah, be let honest. Be honest. You could you could mortgage your house <laughs> with that much money I spent on Chipotle. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for listening. Uh, please continue to reach out to us with feedback. Let us know what you enjoyed, what you didn't. Uh, we love we love to hear from you guys. And website. That's it's right. Hopefully, hopefully dropping tonight. Web website should be up if not today, tomorrow, if not tomorrow, the day after that. It'll be but up it'll be up real soon. It'll be up it'll be up real soon. Yeah, so look out for our super legitimate website that's super, super, super. credible and super cool. It is super cool. I worked uh, hard on it. Okay. Okay. I wasn't saying it wasn't. I didn't say it was I was being honest. I think uh, it's cool, man. <laughs> All right. Cool. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody have a good night. Take it easy. Um what was the thing you did last time with the little jingle? You were like, ring-a-ding-ding. R- ring-a-ding-ding. In advance.